Section three of an essay concerning human understanding. Book three of words by John Locke. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Chad. Chapter three of general terms. One. The greatest part of words are general terms all things that exist being particulars it may perhaps be thought reasonable that words which ought to be conformed to things should be so too i mean in their signification but yet we find quite the contrary the far greatest part of words that make all languages are general terms which has not been the effect of neglect or chance but of reason and necessity two that every particular thing should have a name for itself is impossible first it is impossible that every particular thing should have a distinct peculiar name for the signification and use of words depending on that connection which the mind makes between its ideas and the signs it uses as signs of them it is necessary in the application of names to things that the mind should have distinct ideas of the things and retain also the particular name that belongs to every one with its peculiar appropriation to that idea but it is beyond the power of human capacity to frame and retain distinct ideas of all the particular things we meet with every bird and beast man saw every tree and plant that affected the senses could not find a place in the most capacious understanding if it be looked on as an instance of a prodigious memory that some generals have been able to call every soldier in their army by his proper name we may easily find a reason why men have never attempted to give names to each sheep in their flock or crow that flies over their heads much less to call every leaf of plants or grain of sand that came in their way by a peculiar name three and would be useless if it were possible secondly if it were possible it would yet be useless because it would not serve to the chief end of language men would in vain heap up names of particular things that would not serve them to communicate their thoughts men learn names and use them in talk with others only that they may be understood which is then only done when by use or consent the sound i make by the organs of speech excites in another man's mind who hears it the idea i apply it to in mine when i speak it this cannot be done by names applied to particular things whereof i alone having the ideas in my mind the names of them could not be significant or intelligible to another who was not acquainted with all those very particular things which had fallen under my notice for a distinct name for every particular thing not fitted for enlargement of knowledge thirdly but yet granting this also feasible which i think is not yet a distinct name for every particular thing would not be of any great use for the improvement of knowledge which though founded in particular things 
enlarges itself by general views to which things reduced into sorts under general names are properly subservient these with the names belonging to them come within some compass and do not multiply every moment beyond what either the mind can contain or use requires and therefore in these men have for the most part stopped but yet not so as to hinder themselves from distinguishing particular things by appropriated names where convenience demands it and therefore in their own species which they have most to do with and wherein they have often occasion to mention particular persons they make use of proper names and their distinct individuals have distinct denominations five what things have proper names and why besides persons countries also cities rivers mountains and other the like distinctions of place have usually found peculiar names and that for the same reason they being such as men have often as occasion to mark particularly and as it were set before others in their discourses with them and i doubt not but if we had reason to mention particular horses as have reason to mention particular men we should have proper names for the one as familiar as for the other and bucephalus would be a word as much in use as alexander and therefore we see that amongst jockeys horses have their proper names to be known and distinguished by as commonly as their servants because amongst them there is often occasion to mention this or that particular horse when he is out of sight six how general words are made the next thing to be considered is how general words come to be made for since all things that exist are only particulars how come we by general terms or where find we those general natures they are supposed to stand for words become general by being made the signs of general ideas and ideas become general by separating from them the circumstances of time and place and any other ideas that may determine them to this or that particular existence by this way of abstraction they are made capable of representing more individuals than one each of which having in it a conformity to that abstract idea is as we call it of that sort seven shown by the way we enlarge our complex ideas from infancy but to deduce this a little more distinctly it will not perhaps be amiss to trace our notions and names from their beginning and observe by what degrees we proceed and by what steps we enlarge our ideas from our first infancy there is nothing more evident than that the ideas of the persons children converse with to instance in them alone are like the persons themselves only particular the ideas of the nurse and the mother are well framed in their minds and like pictures of them there represent only those individuals the names they first gave to them are confined to these individuals and the names of nurse and mamma the child uses determine themselves to those persons afterwards when time and a larger acquaintance have made them observe that there are a great many 
other things in the world that in some common agreements of shape and several other qualities resemble their father and mother and those persons they have been used to they frame an idea which they find those many particulars do partake in and to that they give with others the name man for example and thus they come to have a general name and a general idea wherein they make nothing new but only leave out of the complex idea they had of peter and james mary and jane that which is peculiar to each and retain only what is common to them all eight and further enlarge our complex ideas by still leaving out properties contained in them by the same way that they come by the general name and the idea of man they easily advance to more general names and notions for observing that several things that differ from their idea of man and cannot therefore be comprehended out under that name have yet certain qualities wherein they agree with man by retaining only those qualities and uniting them into one idea they have again another and more general idea to which having given a name they make a term of a more comprehensive extension which new idea is made not by any new addition but only as before by leaving out the shape and some other properties signified by the name man and retaining only a body with life sense and spontaneous motion comprehended under the name animal nine general natures are nothing but abstract and partial ideas of more complex ones that this is the way whereby men first formed general ideas and general names to them i think is so evident that there needs no other proof of it but the considering of a man's self or others and the ordinary proceedings of their minds in knowledge and he that thinks general natures or notions or anything else but such abstract and partial ideas of more complex ones taken at first from particular existences will i fear be at a loss where to find them for let any one effect and then tell me wherein does his idea of man differ from that of peter and paul or his idea of horse from that of bucephalus but in the leaving out something that is peculiar to each individual and retaining so much of those particular complex ideas of several particular existences as they are found to agree in of the complex ideas signified by the names man and horse leaving out but those particulars wherein they differ and retaining only those wherein they agree and of those making a new distinct complex idea and giving the name animal to it one has a more general term that comprehends with man several other creatures leaving out of the idea of animal sense and spontaneous motion and the remaining complex idea made up of the remaining simple ones of body life and nourishment becomes a more general one under the more comprehensive term vivens and not to dwell longer upon this particular so evident in itself by the same way the mind proceeds to body substance and at last to being thing and such universal terms which stand for any of our ideas whatsoever to conclude this whole mystery 
of genera and species which make such a noise in the schools and are with justice so little regarded out of them is nothing else but abstract ideas more or less comprehensive with names annexed to them in all which this is constant and invariable that every more general term stands for such an idea and is but a part of any of those contained under it ten why the genus is ordinarily made use of in definitions this may show us the reason why in the defining of words which is nothing but declaring their signification we make use of the genus or next general word that comprehends it which is not out of necessity but only to save the labour of enumerating the several simple ideas which the general word or genus stands for or perhaps sometimes the shame of not being able to do it but though defining by genus and differentia i crave leave to use these terms of art though originally latin since they most properly suit those notions they are applied to i say though defining by the genus be the shortest way yet i think it may be doubted whether it be the best this i am sure it is not the only and so not absolutely necessary for definition being nothing but making another understand by words what idea the term defined stands for a definition is best made by enumerating those simple ideas that are combined in the signification of the term defined and if instead of such an enumeration men have accustomed themselves to use the general term it has not been out of necessity or for greater clearness but for quickness and dispatch sake for i think that to one who desired to know what idea the word man stood for if it should be said that man was a solid extended substance having life sense spontaneous motion and the faculty of reasoning i doubt not but the meaning of the term man would be as well understood and the idea it stands for be at least as clearly made known as when it is defined to be a rational animal which by the several definitions of animal vivens and corpus resolves itself into those enumerated ideas i have in explaining the term man followed here the ordinary definition of the schools which though perhaps not the most exact yet serves well enough to my present purpose and one may in this instance see what gave occasion to the rule that a definition must consist of genus and differentia and it suffices to show us the little necessity there is of such a rule or advantage in the strict observing of it for definitions as has been said being only the explaining of one word by several others so that the meaning or idea it stands for may be certainly known languages are not always so made according to the rules of logic that every term can have its signification exactly and clearly expressed by two others experience sufficiently satisfies us to the contrary or else those who have made this rule have done ill that they have given us so few definitions conformable to it but of definitions more in the next chapter eleven 
general and universal, are creatures of the understanding, and belong not to the real existence of things. To return to general words, it is plain, by what has been said, that general and universal belong not to the real existence of things, but are the inventions and creatures of the understanding, made by it for its own use, and concern only signs, whether words or ideas. Words are general, as has been said, when used for signs of general ideas, and so are applicable indifferently to many particular things. And ideas are general when they are set up as the representatives of many particular things. But universality belongs not to things themselves, which are all of them particular in their existence, even those words and ideas which in their signification are general. When therefore we quit particulars, the generals that rest are only creatures of our own making, their general nature being nothing but the capacity they are put into by the understanding of signifying or representing many particulars. For the signification they have is nothing but a relation that, by the mind of man, is added to them. 12. Abstract ideas are the essences of genera and species. The next thing, therefore, to be considered is what kind of signification it is that general words have. For, as it is evident that they do not signify barely one particular thing, for then they would not be general terms, but proper names. So, on the other side, it is as evident they do not signify a plurality, for man and men would then signify the same. And the distinction of numbers, as the grammarians call them, would be superfluous and useless. That then which general words signify is a sort of things, and each of them does that by being a sign of an abstract idea in the mind, to which idea, as things existing are found to agree, so they come to be ranked under that name, or which is all one be of that sort, whereby it is evident that the essences of the sorts, or if the Latin word pleases better, species of things, are nothing else but these abstract ideas. For the having the essence of any species, being that which makes anything to be of that species, and the conformity to the idea to which the name is annexed, being that which gives a right to that name. The having the essence, and the having that conformity, must needs be the same thing. Since to be of any species, and to have a right to the name of that species, is all one, as, for example, to be a man, or of the species man, and to have right to the name man is the same thing. Again, to be a man, or of the species man, and have the essence of a man, is the same thing. Now, since nothing can be a man, or have a right to the name man, but what has a conformity to the abstract idea the name man stands for, nor anything be a man, or have a right to the species man, but what has the essence of that species. It follows that the abstract idea for which the name stands, and the essence of the species, is one and the same. From whence, it is easy to observe that the essences of the sorts of things, and consequently the sorting of things, 
is the workmanship of the understanding that abstracts and makes those general ideas. 13. They are the workmanship of the understanding, but have their foundation in the similitude of things. I would not here be thought to forget, much less to deny, that nature in the production of things makes several of them alike. There is nothing more obvious, especially in the races of animals, and all things propagated by seed. But yet I think we may say the sorting of them under names is the workmanship of the understanding taking occasion from the similitude it observes amongst them to make abstract general ideas and set them up in the mind with names annexed to them as patterns or as patterns or forms for in that sense the word form has a very has a very proper signification to which as particular things existing are found to agree so they come to be of that species have that denomination or are put into that classis for when we say this is a man that a horse this justice that cruelty this a watch that a jack what do we else but rank things under different specific names as agreeing to those abstract ideas of which we have made those names the signs and what are the essences of those species set out and marked by names but those abstract ideas in the mind which are as it were the bonds between particular things that exist and the names they are to be ranked under and when general names have any connection with particular beings these abstract ideas are the medium that unites them so that the essences of species as distinguished and denominated by us neither are nor can be anything but those precise abstract ideas we have in our minds and therefore the supposed real essences of substances if different from our abstract ideas cannot be the essences of the species we rank things into for two species may be one as rationally as two different essences may be the essence of one species and i demand what are the alterations which may or may not be made in a horse or lead without making either of them to be of another species in determining the species of things by our abstract ideas this is easy to resolve but if any one will regulate himself herein by supposed real essences he will i suppose be at a loss and he will never be able to know when anything precisely ceases to be of the species of a horse or lead fourteen each distinct abstract idea is a distinct essence nor will any one wonder that i say these essences or abstract ideas which are the measures of name and the boundaries of species are the workmanship of the understanding who considers that at least the complex ones are often in several men different collections of simple ideas and therefore that is covetousness to one man which is not so to another nay even in substances 
where their abstract ideas seem to be taken from the things themselves, they are not constantly the same. No, not in that species which is most familiar to us, and with which we have the most intimate acquaintance. It having been more than once doubted whether the fetus born of a woman were a man, even so far as that it hath been debated, whether it were or were not to be nourished and baptized, which could not be, if the abstract idea or essence to which the name man belonged were of nature's making, and were not the uncertain and various collection of simple ideas, which the understanding put together, and then abstracting it, affixed a name to it. So that, in truth, every distinct abstract idea is a distinct essence, and the names stand for such distinct ideas are the names of things essentially different. Thus a circle is as essentially different from an oval as a sheep from a goat, and the rain is as essentially different from snow as water from earth. That abstract idea, which is the essence of one being impossible to be communicated to the other, and thus any two abstract ideas that in any part vary one from another, with two distinct names annexed to them, constitute two distinct sorts, or, if you please, species, as essentially different as any two of the most remote or opposite in the world. 15. Several Significations of the word essence. But since the essences of things are thought by some, and not without reason, to be wholly unknown, it may not be amiss to consider the several significations of the word essence, real essences. First, essence may be taken for the very being of anything, whereby it is what it is, and thus the real, internal, but generally in substances unknown constitution of things whereon their discoverable qualities depend, may be called their essence. This is the proper original signification of the word, as is evident from the formation of it, essential in its primary notation, signifying properly being, and in this sense it is still used. When we speak of the essence of particular things, without giving them any name. Nominal Essences Secondly, the learning and disputes of the schools having been much busied about genus and species, the word essence has almost lost its primary signification, and instead of the real constitution of things, has been almost wholly applied to the artificial constitution of genus and species. It is true there is ordinarily supposed a real constitution of sorts of things, and it is past doubt there must be some real constitution on which any collection of simple ideas coexisting must depend. But, it being evident that things are ranked under names into sorts or species, only as they agree to certain abstract ideas, to which we have annexed those names, the essence of each genus or sort comes to be nothing but that abstract idea which the general or sortal if I may have leave so to call it from sort, as I do general from genus, name stands for. And this we shall find to be that which the word essence imports in its most familiar use. These two sorts of 
essences, I suppose, may not unfitly be termed the one the real, the other nominal essence. 16. Constant connection between the name and nominal essence. Between the nominal essence and the name there is so near a connection that the name of any sort of things cannot be attributed to any particular being but what has its essence whereby it answers that abstract idea whereof that name is the sign. 17. Supposition that species are distinguished by their real essences useless. Concerning the real essences of corporeal substances, to mention these only, there are, if I mistake, not two opinions. The one is of those who, using the word essence, for they know not what, suppose a certain number of those essences, according to which all natural things are made, and wherein they do exactly every one of them partake, and so become of this or that species. The other and more rational opinion is of those who look on all natural things to have a real but unknown constitution of their insensible parts, from which flow those sensible qualities which serve us to distinguish them one from another according as we have occasion to rank them into sorts under common denominations the former of these opinions which supposes each essences as a certain number of forms or moulds wherein all natural things that exist are cast and do equally partake has i imagine very much perplexed the knowledge of natural things the frequent production of monsters in all the species of animals and of changelings and other strange issues of human birth carry with them difficulties not possible to consist with this hypothesis since it is as impossible that two things partaking exactly of the same real essence should have different properties as that two figures partaking of the same real essence of a circle should have different properties but where there no other reason against it yet the supposition of essences that cannot be known and the making of them nevertheless to be that which distinguishes the species of things is so wholly useless and unserviceable to any part of our knowledge that that alone were sufficient to make us lay it by and content and content ourselves with such essences of the sorts or species of things as come within the reach of our knowledge which when seriously considered will be found as i have said to be nothing else but those abstract complex ideas to which we have annexed distinct general names eighteen real and nominal essence essences being thus distinguished into nominal and real we may further observe that in the species of simple ideas and modes they are always the same but in substances always quite different thus a figure including a space between three lines is the real as well as nominal essence of a triangle it being not only the abstract idea to which the general name is annexed, but the very essentia 
or being of the thing itself that foundation from which all its properties flow and to which they are all inseparably annexed but it is far otherwise concerning that parcel of matter which makes the ring on my finger wherein these two essences are apparently different for it is the real constitution of its insensible parts on which depend all those properties of colour weight fusibility fixedness etc which are to be found in it which constitution we know not and so having no particular idea of having no name that is the sign of it but yet it is its colour weight fusibility fixedness etc which makes it to be gold or gives it a right to that name which is therefore its nominal essence since nothing can be called gold but what has a conformity of qualities to that abstract complex idea to which that name is annexed but this distinction of essences belonging particularly to substances we shall when we come to consider their names have an occasion to treat of more fully nineteen essences ingenerable and incorruptible that such abstract ideas with names to them as we have been speaking of our essences may further appear by what we are told concerning essences namely that they are all ingenerable and incorruptible which cannot be true of the real constitutions of things which begin and perish with them all things that exist besides their author are all liable to change especially those things we are acquainted with and have ranked into bands under distinct names or ensigns thus that which was grass to-day is to-morrow the flesh of a sheep and within a few days after becomes part of a man in all which and the like changes it is evident their real essence i.e that constitution whereon the properties of these several things dependent is destroyed and perishes with them but essences being taken for ideas established in the mind with names annexed to them they are supposed to remain steadily the same whatever mutations the particular substances are liable to for whatever becomes of alexander or for whatever becomes of alexander and bucephalus the ideas to which man and horse are annexed are supposed are supposed nevertheless to remain the same and so the essences of those species are preserved whole and undestroyed whatever changes happen to any or all of the individuals of those species by this means the essence of a species rests safe and entire without the existence of so much as one individual of that kind for were there now no circle existing anywhere in the world as perhaps that figure exists not anywhere exactly marked out 
yet the idea annexed to that name would not cease to be what it is nor cease to be as a pattern to determine which of the particular figures we meet with have or have not a right to the name circle and so to show which of them by having that essence by having that essence was of that species and though there neither were nor had been in nature such a beast as a unicorn or such a fish as a mermaid yet supposing those names to stand for complex abstract ideas that contained no inconsistency in them the essence of a mermaid is as intelligible as that of a man and the idea of a unicorn as certain steady and permanent as that of a horse from what has been said it is evident that the doctrine of the immutability of essences proves them to be only abstract ideas and is founded on the relation established between them and certain signs as signs of them and will always be true as long as the same name can have the same signification twenty recapitulation to conclude this is that which in short i would say namely that all the great business of genera and species and their essences amounts to no more but this that men making abstract ideas and settling them in their minds with names annexed to them do thereby enable themselves to consider things and discourse of them as it were in bundles for the easier and readier improvement and communication of their knowledge which would advance but slowly were their words and thoughts confined only to particulars end of section three recording by chad